In Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read verses 11 through 15, and then Daniel chapter 2, verses 10, verses 2 and 3. Daniel is a unique character in the Bible because Daniel is one of the few guys, I mean, one of the very few guys in the Bible that there's anything recorded that he ever did or said wrong. He's really a pretty amazing guy. He, he's a guy that's very unique. And in Daniel chapter one, uh, Daniel and his guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know them as. But, but these guys were, along with the children of Israel, had been taken to captivity by Nebuchadnezzar and the people of Babylon. The Israelites had been taken out of Israel, stripped from their land, and dragged over to what we call modern-day Iraq. And, and the king Nebuchadnezzar wanted the Israelites to conform to their ways, wanted the Jewish people to conform to the Babylonian ways, and he wanted them to eat their foods. The problem was that their foods were not kosher. They, they were not the foods that the Jewish people were, were allowed to eat according to the law. And, and Daniel took a stand. And it wasn't popular. Let me, let me tell you today. If you want to know how to take a stand in a culture that's doing everything opposite to God's kingdom, read the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. It's a powerful testimony of people who are committed to serving and standing strong for God no matter what anyone else around them is saying, speaking, doing, or living. In Daniel chapter 1, there's an edict that goes out, and, and, and the king wants Daniel and his boys to eat their foods, the king's foods. In verse number four, 11, the Bible says to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who set, who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier. Everyone say they look better. Come on, they look healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Now, one more passage here regarding Daniel and his time of seeking God and fasting and prayer. Different, different story here. Daniel's life in the book of Daniel begins around the age of 15. Around this time of this vision that he's getting, he's probably around 80 years of age. So we have a long history, a long biblical record of Daniel's life. And Daniel chapter 2, Daniel sees a vision of something that's going to come into the future to the children of Israel. But it's also going to come not only to the children of Israel, but it's a prophetic uh, vision of what's going to come to the future for the world. And in verse number two, the Bible says, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. What Daniel saw in the spiritual realm was so disturbing him that it caused his spirit to be grieved, to be heavy. I mean, he's like, God, what is this about? God, I need insight. I need to understand what you're saying here. So I ate no choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions at, at all until the three weeks were over. I want to talk to you this morning on this idea, fasting for a new year and new you. Fasting for a new year and new you. This morning, we're going to pray for the country of Puerto Rico, the island of Puerto Rico. We have lots of friends and family here that are from that country. Can I hear, just kind of do a hand clap, or just get, if you are from, or your family's from Puerto Rico, come on, just clap your hand real quick, all across this, all across this congregation. 
Uh, I, re- I received a text this morning that Alejandra Pagan, she was in the service, she was actually praying this morning. Her aunt died in the earthquake this week as a result of a heart attack. She was in her house in the bathroom and a bunch of stuff fell on her and it caused a heart attack and she passed away. And, and so they, it's real. And, and you've read the reports this week. Those of you that had a family there, we have, we have the, some of you I've heard that are bringing family back here to the States. And, but we want to take just a moment. Two things I want to pray today. First of all, I want to pray comfort for those who are experiencing loss, physical uh, experiencing devastation financially, all those kinds of things. I want to pray comfort for the families and those that are there. But the second thing, I want to pray for the church today. I want to pray for the church to be the bold light in that community, the gospel, that although everything else in people's life is be shaken, there's one that they can run to who's a strong tower, who never shakes, that his name is Jesus. Come on, amen. Will you join with me as we pray? for the country of Puerto Rico. Father, I pray today for the island of Puerto Rico, and I thank you, Lord, that so many in our own body and our own family today, Lord, are from this, from this place, from Puerto Rico, and they've come here today as worshipers of you, and God, their homeland is being shaken to the core, and we know that people are so uneasy, and people are fearful, and so afraid, and, and so I pray for comfort right now. First, I pray for comfort for our own family, God, for Alejandra, God, for her, for her family today, as they mourn the loss of their aunt as a result of this earth earthquake, God. I, I just pray that you'll bring peace to that home, God, and that no bitterness will come, God, but that your grace will pour out into, that, into their lives, into their family today. And God, I pray for all the families. I pray for those who are in Puerto Rico today, God. They'll just sense that great comfort and the great peace that only that you can give as they turn their hearts towards you. Now, Lord, I pray for the local churches. I pray for ministries like Convoy of Hope and Samaritan Person and other organizations that are there on the ground coming alongside of churches, Lord, to distribute food and care and, to, and to medical attention to those in need. Father, we're asking right now, Lord, that the church will stand strong and they will be a bold beacon of light in the midst of a very seemingly hopeless and dark situation. God, we're asking for your grace and your mighty and powerful name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. If you are here today and you'd never done a Daniel fast, or have actually fasted before, then you are in for an exciting new step of your journey of faith with God. A matter of fact, I, majority of Christians have never fasted and prayed before. I, I think there's lots of reasons. Maybe there's a lack of understanding of what it's about or its purpose, but I generally believe the greatest hindrance to us to fasting and really seeking after the, after the Lord is this one thing, this one word, the fork. Everyone say the fork. It's the fork. We love our food. We, come on, we love food in America. We got an abundance of food. You open your refrigerator, it's full of food. Every, we got food. As a matter of fact, some of us have had this experience that we bought food on Monday, and then we got so busy that we decided to go out to eat on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and by Friday, Saturday, we're looking at some of that food thinking it's got to go in the garbage. I know this never happened to anybody here before. I know that none of you have any vegetables that ever rot in your drawers. Oh, come on. But the fact is we do. We have an abundance of food. It's a great challenge. When there's great abundance or there's great prosperity, it's a great challenge to really set aside some things that are really good. As a matter of fact, God created us to, to enjoy eating food. Jesus' last meal with his disciples, the last thing he did is he ate a meal. The first thing that we're going to do when we get to glory with, 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 with Jesus and the, the, the rest of those who've gone before us and the kingdom of God is we're going to have a, food, a meal at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Food is an integral part of our lives. 
But, but there's something that we see throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation that God's people, when things happen in their world, and they really want to get serious and do business with God, they set aside some things. Specifically, they set aside food. They seek the Lord, and they, they set aside that which seems to be okay, and it is okay to eat food. God created us. God designed it for, for to, to, to nourish our bodies and to make us healthy. But there are seasons that we say, God, I'm going to set aside that which is good for something greater, for a spiritual sense of a reality of who you are in our lives. You know, fasting many times becomes, for some people, a weight loss program. Weight loss program. I mean, you go on, you, you can Google YouTube. You know, there's all the, there's intermittent fasting and there's this kind of fasting and you fast this and you fast that and people all, but I want to tell you something today. Fasting, biblical fasting is not a weight loss program. Now here's the deal. If you fast, a biblical fast, you will lose weight. It's just a, it's a byproduct. Yeah. The matter of fact, you, if you eat less calories and if you just eat vegetables and you eat fruit and you drink water for one week, at the end of that week, you won't gain weight. You'll lose weight. But here's the deal. Fasting is not a weight loss program. Fasting is not a formula for us to manipulate God. If I do this and I do that and I do this and I do, then ching, ching, God has to do that. No, that's not what God, that's not how God works. As a matter of fact, there's a story where David, at one point of his life, he has a little bump in the road. He has a, a relationship with Bathsheba, and out of that relationship, a child is produced, and that child is born in, in very weak condition. And while this child is sickly and just, uh, just as a newborn child, the Bible says Daniel, uh, David begins to pray for this child and begins to seek the Lord for his healing. And the Bible says perhaps the Lord, perhaps the Lord will heal this child. And at the end of that week, the child dies. And sometimes we think, well, if we do this and we do that and we give this and we, and we make this sacrifice, then God has to do that. You know that God has a bigger plan. What David understood is that God was in control of his life. But what fasting does for you and what fasting does for me is it puts us in a position to be able to clearly hear what God has to say for our lives. In the Bible, fasting was not a badge of spirituality. Jesus talked about the religious people of his day who would fast and they would pray and they let everybody know it. Yeah, I didn't have caffeine this week. I oh man, my head hurts so bad. No, no, no. They, they, they become prideful on what they didn't do. And the fact is fasting is not a badge of spirituality. Christians have always fasted. It's always been part of our spiritual discipline. The, the Jewish people would fast on Tuesdays and Thursdays and the Christians would fast on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, all throughout church history, you see people fasting. It was a regular component of their spiritual journey and their walk with God. Fasting in the Bible wasn't just an abstinence program. Some of us will do what we call a modified fast. Modified fast is just basically abstinence. We're abstaining maybe from Facebook or abstaining from social media or abstaining from certain things. And abstinence is good. There's times that we set aside something that's good for something that's greater. That's not wrong. But biblical fasting has a component of sacrifice. And that sacrifice, from my perspective, from a biblical perspective, from my understanding of setting aside things that are really pleasurable in the area of food. And that's not easy. Not an easy one. We have a battle. The battle of the fork. The fact is God today is calling us as a congregation. And right here at the very beginning of the year in 2020, a new year, a new year, to spend a week of seeking him in prayer and in fasting.
So here's what happens. Here's what happens. We set our heart to seek God. Daniel set his heart to seek the Lord. The first, I call it the ABCs of fasting. The first thing that happens when we set our heart to fast is I believe that we begin to spiritually align ourselves with the heart of God. I call it spiritual alignment. We align ourselves with the heart of God. We, there are things in our life that over just, you know, the fact is, is we drink coffee and we, our foods are just inundated with all kinds of junk and garbage and sugars and all kinds of stuff. And we find ourselves craving these kinds of things. And we say, God, in this week, I'm not going to let anything master me but you. We're saying, God, you're my first priority. We're not going to let anything in my life master. We're only going to have one master. We're going to have one Lord. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. We're aligning our hearts and minds and bodies to the will of God. We're going to seek you, Lord. We're spiritually aligning. God always speaks. God's always speaking. But there's so much noise in our world that it's many times difficult to hear. And we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to set aside food, certain foods for a period of time. God, I want to hear you clearly. I want to know your will. I want to know your way for my life. The second thing that happens when we set our heart to fasting and prayer is that we position ourselves for spiritual breakthrough. Some of us have had some issues. Some of us have had some hangups. Some of us have had some problems or challenges, maybe in our work or our job. Maybe some of us have had some addictions. Some of us have had some relationship things that have just not, not quite been right. They haven't quite worked themselves out. Some of us have struggled in our area of managing our finances and understanding the correlation in our spiritual life between our our finances and our walk with God. And and things haven't been clear to us in that area. Maybe some of us have struggled in a relationship on a job with another person or maybe in our home, in our marriages or with our kids. As we position ourselves this year in 2020, I'm believing as we enter into a new decade, we are positioning ourselves for spiritual breakthrough in new ways that we have not experienced God working in our life in the past. Come on, someone said amen. But I believe this, most, this last thing is the most important. In our times of fasting and prayer, we position ourselves to get closer to God. To get closer to God. The word that we use in the Bible is communion. It means fellowship. Be close to him. When you choose to seek the Lord in fasting and prayer, you're saying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, fill. Holy Spirit, direct. Holy Spirit. And I believe the moment you say yes to God and you begin to seek God, you'll begin to find God. The moment you set aside certain things that are pleasurable and enjoyable to you in this life and are are okay many times, what you're opening yourself to is a greater spiritual understanding of what God desires to do in your life, your family, your home in this coming year. That's exactly why I'm doing it. I need God to do things in my life. I need to hear God's voice clearer for the the direction of this church and where we're going and how we're supposed to serve this community in more effective ways. I need God, as I draw near to God, I need God to work in my family, in my son's life, in my children's lives. I, I need God, come on, I need God to work a healing miracle in my wife's life. Come on, when we seek God, we're drawing close to him. And we're recognizing that there is the voice of God that speaks. This is the way that you are to walk. Walk ye therein. And God is speaking to us as a people today. God's speaking to us today. As we look at the life of Daniel, there's some really powerful lessons that we can learn about fasting and prayer. 
Daniel is such an example to us today because he went against the tide of his culture. He went against the popularity and the popular ways and the thinking, the entertainment. He went away against the things that were pleasurable in his generation to pursue a higher calling, to go after God, to go after God's ways, to go after God's plans. Daniel was a man who was resolute in his faith, had a strong backbone. Others would go this way, Daniel stood tall. Others would follow this path, Daniel would stand tall. Daniel would pursue God. And because of that, Daniel, Daniel experienced God's special blessing on his life. A touch of God. The anointing of God. He, he saw God work things in his life that other people didn't see. Hear me today. When you set your heart to seek after God, when other people won't seek after God, you will hear, you will see, you will experience things that other people will not see around you. You will experience God's blessing. You will experience God's grace. You will experience God's favor. You will see God do things that no one else will see around you because you have set your heart to seek after the Lord. Daniel experienced revelations from God, divine insight into things that were going to come for the people of Israel. We see this throughout this book. It's one of the most profound books speaking to the things that are going to come into the future. Daniel's prophetic insight and revelation for God's people are unparalleled in almost all of Scripture and human history. The book of Daniel, together with the book of Revelation, marvelously unfolds future events as God has ordained them in the program of his history. The book of Revelation explains the book of Daniel, but the book of Daniel lays the basis for the book of Revelation. If you want to know things that are going to come in the future, Read the book of Daniel. Read the book of Revelation. If you want to understand God's prophetic timetable and how things unfold in the history of the world, read God's word. God has a story. God has a plan. And I can tell you, you can flip to the end of the book and no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in this life, no matter who's president of the United States, no matter what kingdom is here on planet Earth, there is ultimately a kingdom coming. And there's one king and his name is Jesus. And he's king of kings and he's Lord of of lords. This is his story. History is his story. It's all about God's prophetic plans and purposes being fulfilled through us, his people, in our generation. As we look at the life of Daniel, there's three things that we can learn as we fast and pray for a new year in a new year. There's three things that we can learn and prepare our hearts for as we await the return of Christ. The first thing that you must understand today is that, there, that you must expect satanic resistance. If you set yourself this week to fast and pray, you know what's going to happen. So you know what? I'm gonna, some of you have never done this. You've never gone a, a week without eating something that you really didn't like, unless it was forced on you. You're going to say, you know what? I'm not going to do meat this week. And you know, the moment you say that, you're going to get a call from your buddy that you haven't seen in 10 years. Hey, man, I got this gift card for Ruth Chris. You want to go to dinner tonight? You're like, oh, man, are you kidding me? You know, the moment. Do you think the enemy today is happy that you're going to go after God in 2020? Do you think the enemy is happy that you're believing for a new year and a new you for you, your family, for your local church, for your community? Do you think he's happy? No way. No way. We can expect satanic resistance. There is a real live unseen battle. There's an unseen spiritual world. 
Daniel chapter 10, verse number one, Daniel saw this unseen world. Look what he says here. He says, in the third year, the, in the third year, Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. It's, a, its message was true, and it concerned a great war. Daniel saw a war that was coming against the people of Israel. Da Daniel was greatly concerned about his Jewish brothers and sisters. He cared about them. He knew that there was a great spiritual battle that was designed against them to destroy their life. And I am greatly concerned about you today as a pastor because I believe that there is an enemy of your soul that's, that has a strategic plan to destroy you. But I believe today that God that we serve is greater. Come on, someone say greater, greater. Paul the Apostle recognized it. He said in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. The devil has a strategy. He has a plan. One of Satan's greatest strategies against your life and against my life is the spirit of offense. Getting offended. Somebody said something. Church didn't do it right. Pastors, last service. I preached something last service. I walked out of here. I don't even know if I agree with that after I got done. Oh, you can't believe it. That's true. The fact is today, someone's going to say something. Someone's going to hurt you. Someone's going to do something in your life and cause you to be potentially offended. And if you get suspended, you fall into the devil's trap, his strategy to suspend you from God's plan, God's blessing, and God's grace in your life. Amen. We acknowledge a spiritual battle. We battle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, rulers of darkness. Some entertainers stood up just recently at the Golden Globes and said, I want to praise Satan for this dumb award that my buddy just gave me. I'm like, you, what a dummy. Like, are you kidding me? Bless God, I love, Jesus loves him, but that's a dumb thing to say because Satan hates that man and it's a terrible plan for his life. And God loves that man, and God wants to redeem that man, and God wants to restore that man. God wants to heal that man. God wants to bless that man. But there are principalities and powers that have been assigned to you. I want to destroy you, want to destroy your children, your children's children. I have nothing but bad and evil plan for you. There's a satanic strategy against our nation and against all the nations of the earth to addict them, to trap them into pornography, addictions, all kinds of brokenness. There's a satanic plan that's unleashed on planet Earth that wants men to cause, to, to, to fight man against man, woman against woman, battle against family, family against family. Friday night, a couple of guys from the church and I went to see a movie, 1917. It was a, the movie is a story of two young men that are sent by the by their British commanders to go to the front line to to warn two brigades not to rush upon the German army. And the movie is just it's the cinematography is just absolutely amazing. It's very graphic though. It shows the depiction of war. And I walked out of there, man, and I, once again I was just kind of in shock and in awe and, and stunned how anybody could think that war is a good idea. War is hell. War is brutal. War is not God's design. War is not God's plan. God's plan is for peace. Uh, they were showing this battle. What was fascinating to me is that they were literally fighting for inches of, tur of turf. Inches. Not miles. They were fighting for inches. Inches. Thousands of young men's lives were sacrificed for inches. I'm like, my God. That's Satan's plan. He's come to kill, steal, and to destroy. But God's got a greater plan. Come on, God's got a greater plan. God's got a greater plan. God's come to give life to people. It's the plan of God. I begin to think about the battle. 
There's a real life spiritual battle that Satan has against you. But I want you to know there's one who is greater. Uh, for some of us in this room, we need to get a bigger God. Come on, everybody say big God. Yeah. And we need to get a smaller devil. Yeah, you got it. We make the devil so big. I want you to know there's one who is greater. There's one who is greater today. Jesus talked about the one who is greater. In Luke chapter 10, verse number 19, Jesus says it like this. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all. Everyone say all. Jesus, is, if you're a believer today, you've been given his authority. You know that Jesus had authority over storms. He had authority over sickness. He had authority over Satan. He had authority. He had spiritual authority. You understand today in the spiritual realm, in the unseen realm, as a follower of Jesus, he is delegated. Every police officer in the room knows what delegated authority is. Because they put a badge on, they strap a gun to their side, they walk out into the street, and they raise their hand up, and guess what you do? Come on, what do you do? What do you do? You stop. Now they know that power is not within themselves. It's been given to them. And Jesus has given you spiritual authority today. To trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Everyone say, God's greater. Oh, come on, it's greater in your life today. God's greater in my life today. And he's given us spiritual authority to live victoriously. But Daniel was shaken. And so he began to seek the Lord. He began to position himself. And the second thing that I want you to see this morning is that we must seek God in times of spiritual need. We must seek God in our times of spiritual need. In Daniel chapter 10, verse number two, the Bible says, Daniel sees this revelation of this great war. And at that time, I mourned for three weeks. What Daniel saw about things to come in the future were so disturbing that he would not eat choice foods for three weeks. He fasted. He prayed. Do you not understand today that there are things in your life that will not change? There are habits in your life that will not be overcome. There are problems in your family generation, generation that will not be broken. Do you understand today in the spiritual realm? There are doors that will not be open to you unless you pursue the Lord and seek him with fasting and praying. Do you understand that there's, this is a reality in the spiritual kingdom of God? There are some things. It isn't just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. The fact is God has placed you and I in a position where we can seek after, we can pursue after, we can go after, and we can see God do things that only he will do in response to the people who hunger and seek after him in Jesus' name. Someone said amen today. So what stops us today? You know what stops us from seeking the Lord today? Unbelief. Not really believing that we are who God created us to be. Not really understanding our destiny and our identity in him. Do you know what Jesus, you know what Jesus called it? He called it unbelief in a wicked and perverse generation. You know what perverse generation is? People who will pursue and hunger for anything but God. Pursue pleasure, happiness, fulfillment, and whatever that means, wherever that takes them, whatever journey, the path that, go, that takes them on. Perverse generation, trying to fill the self rather than giving the self to God and allow him to use us to serve others. Jesus was brought a young boy 
from the time he was a little child, had a problem. His dad couldn't fix it. Have you ever had a problem in your life that you haven't been able to fix? You ever had a long-term issue that it just seems to be a reoccurring? Maybe it's in your family, it's in your home, maybe it's in your job. This little boy is brought to Jesus, and he has epilepsy. And his father brought him to the disciples, and the disciples were not able to heal the boy. As a matter of fact, the boy kept throwing himself into the fire, kept harming himself, kept destroying himself, trying to destroy himself. You know who that was? That was the enemy. That was the enemy. Hear me today. Hear me clear today. There are unseen forces that want to destroy the good work that God is doing in your life and in your family and in your home. And you must know today that there is one who is greater. And they brought him to Jesus. The disciples couldn't do it. Jesus said, oh, you of unbelief, you little faith. They brought him to Jesus. And immediately Jesus cast the devil out of that boy. And then Jesus says these words. Jesus says, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. There are some things, come on guys, there are some things that are not gonna change in your life and in your family life and in your job until you get serious about God. Until you get serious about putting God first and seeking God first in your life. There are some habits that are just gonna hang on. You're gonna be dealing, you, you know, you ended 2019 promising yourself you're gonna have a new year in 2019 and 20, 2019 finishes and you're tw starting 2020 just the same. And God says, no. God says, I have a new thing for you. I have a new thing in store for you. Come on, I have plans for you that you have not known yet. Plans that you have not even been able to write yet. Plans for you that you're not able to see yet. God, Daniel began to seek the Lord. God's hand was upon Daniel. The last thing that I want you to see today is that God's special favor comes to God's favorites. God's special favor comes to God's favorites. Daniel chapter 10, he has this great vision, this revelation, troubling vision. It's so disturbing to him. He finds himself on his face. In Daniel chapter 10, Verse number 10, it says, then, just then a hand touched me and lifted me. A hand touched him. Throughout the book of Daniel, Daniel has encounter with angels. It's a very fascinating because Daniel sees things in the unseen world that I've never seen. And God gives him insight and revelation about things that are come. And, and he sees things and he, he has angels speak and minister to him. Hebrews chapter 1 says, don't be surprised that there are ministering angels among you. I want you to hear this today. There are ministering angels. There are ministering angels that are working on our behalf. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, you read, if you just open your Bible, any you know, basic perusal, you will see that there are ministries, there are angels at work ministering to God's people over and over and over. Uh, there, one story, I love it, it's in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas are in prison. And the Bible says that the angel came and the place began to shake. And as, as they began to worship God, God released ministering angels to serve them, to loose them from prison's chains. I mean, you see David seeking God and God sending forth angels to work on his behalf. You see it over and over and over. You see Jesus after 40 days of fasting, the Bible says angels came and ministered and served to him. So well, I've never seen an angel. 
friend of mine was talking about this yesterday. He said, you know, I had, had something happen this week. He said, I was walking into a building. As I walk into a building, he said, there was a plate of glass that fell from the third floor. He said, literally, as I crossed the threshold, the plate of glass came crashing down right where I had been standing. What do you think that is? He said, he goes, I'm taking an angel on that one. I don't care what you call it. Luck, favor, I call it an angel. You know why? Because Psalms chapter 91 says this about the angels of God. Can you put that verse up for me there? Psalms 91 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. God has supernatural spirit, spiritual entities called angels that are his servants. We don't worship them. We don't pray to them. We only pray to one God. His name is Jesus. But we recognize he's released them to work on our behalf. Daniel began to seek the Lord and an angel touched him. An angel touched him. Spoke to him. Daniel. Daniel. You're precious in God's sight. You're special to God. You know why Daniel was special to God? Because Daniel sought the Lord. Oh, hear, hear me today. God loves everybody. Yes. But God's favor falls on those who will seek after him. God's favor, God's favor, God's, God's, God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, it's unmerited. You can't do anything to earn it. He gives it free, freely. He dispenses it out because he loves people. But the favor of the Lord comes as a result of us willing to pursue and to seek after him. The, can you put that verse that the angel Lord touched him again? Put that verse back up for me. The angel Lord touched him and lifted him trembling to my hands and my knees and the man said to me whoever this man was we don't know some bible scholars think it's gabriel some thinks it's a, a pre-incarnation of jesus i'm gonna leave that for you to study and figure it out for yourself the angel came daniel you are very precious to god so listen carefully what i have to say listen carefully to me today Hear me carefully today. God favors those who seek him. If you seek me, if you seek me, you will find me. If. God's favor. God's favor. Oh, yes, there's spiritual resistance. Yes, there's opposition. But you have one who is greater. You have one who is greater who is working on your behalf. He loves you. He cares for you. He desires to do good for you. Oh, I love this passage in Genesis. It said, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know why Noah found favor? Because he served God when no one else was willing to serve God. Not only did he serve God, he served God by his obedience. Guys, I mean, it's hard for me to fathom this. But God told him to build a boat. To build a boat. Because it was going to rain and flood was going to come to the earth. And people had never seen rain because it had never rained on earth up to that point. Wow. You obey God. The world says, that's crazy. That's stupid. You give to the church. You go to church on Sunday. I mean, you're, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're reading what book? 
Don't you know there's all these different paths and all these different ways? And you're like, no, I know you might believe that. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Noah, like Daniel, was willing to stand resolute, stand tall, believe God. When no one else was willing to believe God in his generation. The fact is today, are you willing to believe God in your generation? Are you willing to stand strong and stand tall and seek and to pursue after the ways and the purposes of God? I mean, I was just, all these passages this week I was reading about God favoring people who sought him. I mean, from Abraham to David to Moses to Jacob to, I mean, to New Testament to Jesus himself. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge and favor, favor. Jesus needed the favor of God. You need God's favor on your life. I need God's favor on my life. Daniel needed God's favor. Second Chronicles says, For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who are, whose hearts are loyal and seek after him. Wow. Come on. You have a good God today. You have a big God. He wants to show himself strong. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. Daniel's story is a one of God's favor. It's a story of God's favor. And your story can be a story of God's favor. I know I need God's favor. I'm hungering. This first week, I'm saying, God, I need you. I've got all kinds of reasons why I don't want to do it. But I know that I'm going to set aside some things that are desirable for one week. Because, God, I want you in my life. I want your spiritual power in my life like I haven't seen in a long time. It's a new year, but for me, it's a new decade of ministry. And I'm believing the best is yet to come for this church family. I'm believing the best is yet to come in my boy's life, in my daughter-in-law's life, in my future granddaughter's life. I believe in the best is yet to come in my son's life. I'm believing the best is yet to come in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life. I'm believing for City Church for 2020, a new decade where God is going to do new things, work miracles, make the impossible possible. It's a year. It's the acceptable year of God's favor. Come on, do you want God's favor today? Let's stand in this house. Let's give him a shout. Let's give him a praise. The favor of the Lord. We declare the favor of the Lord over this church. We declare the favor of the Lord. Come on, declare favor over your marriage. Declare favor over your family. Declare favor over your job. Come on, declare it today. Say, I declare favor over my children. I declare favor over my spouse. I declare favor in this house today. The favor of the Lord. Oh, you can't earn it. God gives it freely, but you can seek it today. You can seek the favor of God. Come on, are you willing to join with me in seeking God's favor? 2020, a new year, new you, new opportunities, new miracles, new business opportunities. Come on, new season, new season, new you in God's journey of our life. Come on, let's lift our voices, begin to worship. Worship team, help me as we begin to sing this song.